Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Jaguar Report. Yes, the podcast that is still running and is still working through this uh, offseason that started out extremely eventful. And then as all NFL offseasons go, once it hits, uh, you know, late February, early March, it just hits a complete brick wall. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Gus Logue. Gus, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, John. Uh, as you've said it, we've kind of reached a point in the offseason already where there's some talks about uh, Zach Wilson going number one overall and even compared, being compared to Brett Favre. Um, so, yeah, at this point, you kind of like just got to get through it. But uh, recently, I just finished watching The Sopranos, so I'm very excited to now devote all of my free time to free agent prospects who are just going to end up re-signing with their original team. So I'm very excited. All right, we're, we're going to talk about this off air because that's a major development. But <laughs> did you like the ending of The Sopranos? No, I thought it was yeah. I thought it was underwhelming and just lazy, yeah. honestly. Really, but really. I, okay. I understand why they did it, but yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I, well, okay. Anybody, anybody that you know, the show is like twenty years old. Anybody, <laughs> do, do, do you think he gets whacked at the end? Um, no, because I feel like if he does get whacked, then you have to show it. Because I don't know. I, see, I I disagree because you know everything. It was always like the darkness, like you know, like you're seeing everything from Tony's perspective. You know, like when the window. I mean, when the people come through the door and you hear the bell, you see him looking, and then it just goes to dark. And right. I, I don't know. Like I said, we'll talk about it off there. But this is an official Jaguar Report stance that Tony Soprano gets whacked at the end of the <laughs> And if that's a spoiler to you that a mob boss may get whacked at the end of a six season show where he's a mob boss, then it's not I even have, a spoiler nothing, though. I have nothing for you. He exactly. maybe got whacked. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's now that you've said it's the official. We might need to bring in Cassidy for a third view. I'm afraid you might disagree with me. But (laughs) nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, we are happy to be back. I know it's uh, been a while. Gus, uh, you know, like you said, we most have been going through free agency in the draft. Uh, I, I figure we can, you know, kind of start right away. Just in terms of free agency, what what are some positions that you would say like should be like top priority for the Jaguars to spend? Because I'm of the opinion that they're going to treat free agency like, okay, let's try to hit our biggest needs here so we can kind of go best player available in the draft. Yeah, I think offensive tackle and safety are the two position groups that the Jaguars need to look at the most during free agency. Quarterback is obviously the biggest hole, but we know they're going to address that during the draft. And then offense, offensive tackle, I think, would be the next biggest hole since Cam Robinson isn't officially with the team, per se, just because he's going to be a free agent. And he certainly could return. But as of now, that's a massive need for the roster. And then I would say safety, um, more so just because of the strength of the position in free agency. I think that position and wide receiver are the two strongest, like, positional um, – or has have the most – have the best players, sorry, in free agency – yeah, at safety sure. and at wide receiver, and so, if I, I'd probably agree, I'd probably agree with that. Honestly. I think so. Yeah, safety and offensive tackle, I'd say, are the two positions they need to look yeah, at. Yeah, and then, uh, and then I, I'd, I'd say like, just in terms of like how deep you know this free agency class is, I think I'd probably go like wide receiver, safety, and then offensive tackles up there. Just, in, but that's obviously before we get the mass onslaught or franchise tags that ruin like 85 percent of fun fantasy i mean a free agent idea right not fantasy. That. but uh yeah no I, I i think i'd agree with you i think i think they need to add at least two veterans in the secondary i i really do because 
not, it's not even just about the depth, but just, I mean, looking at their roster right now in the secondary, they are a young secondary, man. And, you know, and that's perfectly fine, but at some point, you need some veterans in there. You know, I don't think you can go into next season with C.J. Henderson as one of your more experienced cornerbacks, you know. <laughs> so I think they need to, I need think they need to add a veteran, uh, at least in some aspect to the secondary, whether it be at safety, whether it be at cornerback. And then uh, I, I'd agree with you on offensive tackle. Um, I, I think, you know, you're obviously you're just – more comfortable with a veteran left tackle than a rookie left tackle. And uh, we'll get into, I watched uh, one of the tackles that a lot of people has been mocking to the Jaguars at 25, Samuel Cosme. Uh, watched him earlier this week, so we'll get into that later. But I, I, I'd agree with that too. And uh, I'd go ahead and throw tight end in there. I, I, I know, you know, tight ends are popular, don't pay this position, but the Jaguars, they have uh, four tight ends who are currently projected to be on the roster, like right now with Tyler Eifert and James O'Sonnesty, both set to be free agents. Uh, among those four tight ends, they have a combined 14 catches. So, you know, they obviously need an injection of talent, which you get through the draft, but they need somebody who's like an established talent, you know, because uh, you can very easily go into a draft and draft a high upside guy and get Josh Oliver, who, you know, unfortunately hasn't produced in two seasons. So I think getting one of Hunter Henry, John New Smith, or Gerald Everett uh, should probably be a priority. Yeah, I'm a big Gerald Everett guy. I've been saying this, I think, before last season ended. I think Gerald Everett would be a great, I don't know if by low is really the right w- phrase for it, but I kind of think he he has as much potential as John New Smith, but could be gone on a much cheaper deal. And so Smith and Hunter, both of their weaknesses are with blocking, and it's the same thing for Everett. With Everett, you're basically just getting a receiver in the tight end's body. So... But yeah, I, def- I certainly agree that that position obviously needs addressing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I-, I figured it'd be a fun exercise for you know us to kind of go through the different positions on the Jaguars roster and look at which free agents we kind of like the most there. We just did tight ends. Uh, I figured the one position that we could probably stay away from is inside linebackers. With that said, watch them. I don't even know who the top inside line, like watch them pay Levante David, like 50 million guaranteed or right. something like that. But with, with, with that said, I figured, you know, go ahead and start at quarterback. I caught a lot of flack on Twitter for this opinion. And as always, I don't particularly <laughs> care uh, because I, 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 you know, I, I'm not afraid to say I'm right in this scenario. I, Urban Meyer would absolutely unequivocally rather have, Alex Smith mentoring Trevor Lawrence than any other quarterback in the NFL right now. And it makes sense why. I mean, the dude is an established veteran, one. Uh, two, he's known as a great teammate and locker room guy. And he's already been a, you know, a basically a mentor for one of the NFL's best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback. And if you go back and, like, read some of the, like, Mahomes quotes on Alex Smith, he literally, like, like praises, like, credits him for teaching him how to, like, read blitzes and stuff like that you know like he, he just this the amount he did for Mahomes I think really goes overlooked in that one year and the way I look at the backup quarterback position is uh, you're already gonna have a guy who has a marginal impact because Trevor Lawrence is gonna be you know the starter no matter what as long as he's healthy why not get a backup who can still impact Lawrence because while I think you know Gardner Minshew is a solid backup option on a cheap deal you have the money. I mean, wh- wh- why not use it to kind of make Lawrence even better? Because I am of the belief and I'm of this belief because I have talked to players who have said these things that you can learn things from, you know, your teammates that you can't from coaches. So, you know, people say like, okay, just why does Lawrence need a babysitter? Or isn't that why as a quarterback coach? 
No, it's because having a teammate and a mentor like that can literally be a, you know, massive boon to a starter of a career. And the Jaguars need to do anything they can to surround uh, Lawrence with anything. And if you're also worried about paying Alex Smith because of the contract he may ask for, they have like $80 million in cap space and what, like a handful of players on the roster currently worth signing. Like yeah. I, that, that, that is not like you're not signing Alex Smith to a five-year deal. I mean, that's, that's a contract that you're probably on the hook for one to two years. Tyler Shatley might be the best Jaguar that's set to hit free agency outside of Cam Robinson, actually. Kalen Cole? Yeah, okay, Kalen Cole. Yeah. I, I mean, I put Sidney Jones and DeWan Smith over Tyler Shatley. But none of these guys are getting big deals. Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the point. Yeah, um, yeah. What are your takes on, like, a bridge quarterback? Because I've talked to a lot of people that are, like, Trevor Lawrence is obviously awesome, but I'd rather have someone start five or six games so Trevor can kind of get into the swing of things. And so are you on the stance that he should kind of take a backseat, similar to what Mahomes did, and kind of learn from the shadows and then be able to hop in? Or do you think that that's kind of a waste of time and he should get as much action to as much action as possible, as soon as possible, starting in week one. It was different because with the Chiefs, uh, you know, they were drafting Mahomes to a team that was already going to the playoffs and was basically already, you know, built. And they were, you know, they weren't drafting him to kind of, you know, be a jump start to anything in that moment. They were drafting him for a future. Whereas with Lawrence, you know, you're drafting him to the NFL's worst team who kind of needs that spark now and they can't afford to wait a year. So I, I, I think you just, you know, you have to put them out there on the field and, and, and start them from day one. I, I, I think if you're picking number one overall, you don't really have the luxury to not to. And I honestly do think that he can probably, you know, learn more from making mistakes on the field than he probably could from, you know, uh, on, on the sideline. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you on that one. I think it makes a lot more no, sense to yeah, have, but no, I mean, get it's, action. Unless yeah, I think it's Josh Rosen maybe, but. <laughs> no, it's it's a fair question though. Definitely, it absolutely is. And uh, okay, here's my question for you guys on this quarterback topic. A lot of people say they don't think Alex Smith would sign with Jacksonville because um, you know he wants to be a starter somewhere. And for the record, I don't even think he should sign with the Jaguars because he knows Urban's scheme, as I put in hand quotes. Because that I, I, that that's just a ridiculous viewpoint. I had somebody tweet to that man. I'm like, dude, I, I searched the article. Scheme wasn't even in there. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Um, do you think any team in the NFL is going to even call Alex Smith about starting? I, I, I do not see where this Alex Smith market is that people keep saying that there's going to be teams asking that he, like, I'm sure he's going to want to start for a team. I'm positive of that, but I want to do lots of things. I mean, I mean. <laughs> no, I definitely agree. I would, I would sign like Cam Newton or Jameis Winston far before. I'm sure there's a lot of other quarterbacks like the list a lot yeah, before like, Al Smith. Like he went to five one last year, but he wasn't good. Yeah, agreed. Not to take away from that awesome story that he had, but yeah, I I certainly agree. Um, Houston is kind of the first team that comes to mind, just because d- without Deshaun Watson, I think they're going to be yeah. the worst team in the league. I was going to say. It, Houston, Chicago, New England were my three. Yeah. I feel like New England would make sense. Yeah, he knows Matt, Nag- yeah. Matt Nagy. <laughs> okay. Um, two other quarterback names that I'll throw out there is one is Josh McGown, McCown, who is probably going to end up taking a, a coaching role at somewhere, either with the Texans or elsewhere, but he's still a name and monitor because he's one of the top backups slash veterans slash role models or uh, mentors or whatever you want to call it for young quarterbacks. But then Tyrod Taylor is 
the other guy that I would say for sure should be the number two behind Alex Smith in terms of priorities for QB two for the Jaguars. He was a team captain for the Chargers. And before that, he got really good reviews from Miles Garrett on the Browns from his leadership. And then before that, from head coach uh, Sean McDermott on the Bills, that was leadership. And so on this podcast, we've already kind of given Pep Hamilton some preps for Justin Herbert's development, but I'm not some sure. Peps. Yeah, <laughs> Pep in the steps. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if Tyrod Taylor is getting the props that he really deserves for Herbert's awesome rookie season. So, if Smith isn't ends up going to New England or elsewhere, I think Tyrod Taylor would make a lot of sense for that mentor veteran backup quarterback role. I cannot wait to record the podcast after they sign Geno Smith. <laughs> uh, all the I, Seattle ties is that what you said? Yeah, you say, yeah, you know? baby, yeah, baby. No, I, 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 I'd agree with you and. Here's my only note on Tyrod. I don't know if for his health he should do that. I mean, the dude, dude got stabbed in the lung, you know, in Los Angeles last year. J- Jacksonville is not a safe franchise for, for for people with bizarre bad luck. So that that <laughs> that, that is my point. I, I would I would be worried for his well being, and I, no, I'm I'm afraid a ref would throw like a penalty flag at him and have have the bean bags like hit hit him or something. I just. <laughs> Uh, other than that, though, I, I'd agree with you. I think Tyrod's probably one of the better backup options in the NFL just because, you know, he's known as such a high-character guy and such a, you know, like a, a smart player. You know, I, I, that's my thing. People look at these guys' failed tenures as starters, and it just makes me, like, like you have to understand what the role of a backup is, you know? Like, if Trevor Lawrence goes down, the Jaguars are screwed no matter what. You know, if you're arguing if you'd rather have Gardner Minshew or Alex Smith starting a game next year – you're asking the wrong question entirely, you know, because that, that, that game's probably over, you know, from the first snap, you know, like you said, not to take away from Alex Smith's incredible story, but the EPA takes, <laughs> takes away from being, being <laughs> I, I mean, just in terms of uh, on the field, neither one of them is going to give you the chance to win that Lawrence is. So in my viewpoint, and finding his backup, I think then he find somebody who can have an influence on him from a veteran point of view. And that's nothing against Minshew. It's just the fact of the matter is he's going to be a third-year quarterback who's a young guy himself. Who would you rather have, though, Alex Smith or Gardner Minshew as a backup? If, if, as a backup if you need to win a game, game to get into the playoffs and Trevor Lawrence is out with a shoulder injury, just for fun. Because I think, I think I would say Gardner by a hair, but – Alex Smith two years ago, I would easily say Alex Smith. I was gonna say I'd I'd say I'd say Gardner. Yeah, Gardner. Good. I I I watched some of Alex last year when I wrote that article. And yeah, I'm I'm going Gardner. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving okay. off of the yeah ne- sad ne- subject of quarterback injuries. Ne- next position. Okay. <laughs> Running back. Definitely not the most injured position. <laughs> <laughs> They obviously the Jaguars shouldn't, you know, go into this offseason looking to spend that running back, you know, with James Robinson. But even if they wanted to, I'm not really sure they could because this, you know, list of running back free agents is not exactly, you know, enticing. With that said, there are a couple guys who I think are actually, uh, you know, nice fits for them. Uh, I, I think Duke Johnson makes a lot of sense as a pass catching back. Uh, I think Kenyon Drake, uh, you know, if you want to bring him in on a cheaper deal after it didn't really work out for him as Arizona's starter. Uh, I think James White is a guy you can potentially get on a cheap deal who can kind of play that, you know, backup speed back role. And then Marlon Mack, you know, I know he's obviously coming off the ACL injury, but he was one of my favorite backs in the league just in terms of his explosive skill set before he got hurt. And he he just, you know, if, if 
if like the healthy version of Marlon Mack, he's the kind of running back the roster kind of needs. Yeah, honestly, Marlon Mack was probably one of the most underrated running backs. Is probably a little bit bold, but he is or at least was a very good running back. So the Achilles injury definitely gives some hesitation. But I think Duke Johnson Jr. is the guy that I would most want for the Jaguars to sign as their third down running back slash running back two to be behind James Robinson. He has he does really well in like inside zone offenses like last year with the Texans and he was pretty good before that with the Browns under legendary coach Hugh Jackson. He's also just I don't know he's good at the game. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Uh, yeah. He's he's one of those players that you don't really trust to give a lot of snaps because then you think the more snaps they get, the less efficient they'll be. But Duke Johnson's been one of those guys who's been really efficient unlimited snaps and I think you'd continue to do so in Jacksonville true true and I I'd agree with that I think Duke Johnson probably near near the top of my list if not the very top just because you know he's always been such a productive pass catcher and it it, it kind of it stinks because you know he's a talented guy but he's always been relegated to that basically backup pass catcher role but you know it, it just seems like a really nice compliment you know for uh, you know, James Robinson's skill set. So I, I'd agree with you there. Uh, moving on to wide receiver. Obviously, you know, there are guys like Allen Robinson, uh, you know, Chris Godwin supposed to hit free agency. Um, Allen Robinson would be a fantastic fit. Chris Godwin would be a fantastic fit. Are there any other names out there that you think are at least intriguing to look at from a scheme point of view? Because uh, th- there's a couple that uh, catch my eye. Uh, I think Curtis Samuel is the obvious one just because of his ties to Ohio State and Urban Meyer, and the Jaguars are kind of missing a speed element. Um, LaVisca and DJ Chark can certainly get open deep, but they are also don't necessarily win with speed, and that's what Curtis Samuel does, and that'll add another kind of gadgety player for Urban's offense, and so Curtis makes a lot of sense. Um, I think beyond that, Will Fuller and Corey Davis kind of in that second tier of receivers would be the ones that I would kind of keep my eye on the most because yeah, no. Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson, like you said, are kind of the dream, but there's a pretty good chance that they don't end up leaving the respective teams. So a few guys, I, I, I think Marvin Jones would be a nice fit. Uh, and I really think that if you want to roll the dice on a wide receiver who maybe isn't, you know, one of the top names. I think Will Fuller would be an immensely interesting addition to this receiver room because, you know, okay, sure. Maybe he's not like shifty like Curtis Samuel or, you know, one of those slot receivers, but just the downfield threat that he is, I feel like, and the accuracy that Lawrence has downfield, I feel like he might be one of the best fits for him in the NFL. Like, you know, just like in terms of best receiver skill sets for him. Yeah. And the one thing about him that's, um, not good, I guess, is his injury history, which a lot of people will point at. But the thing is, if the Jaguars do end up signing him, then I think that'll be a very positive sign in terms of that because Urban has said over and over again about how much sports performance and medicine means to him. And so I think if they're comfortable enough with signing someone like him who's dealt with injuries in the past, then that's a good sign for sure. Yeah, no, no, that's a good point, guys. That's why I would take you to big bucks. You know, I mean, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's why this is basically the Gus Logue podcast featuring Jack Report. Now that that, that that now that that was that, I I honestly hadn't even thought about that. Uh, the fact that you know maybe they'd be more willing to be in on it, injury prone type players because maybe they'll have the belief that you know they can kind of reverse that. So that, that's a good idea, Gus. Uh, moving on to offensive tackle, 
I am going to have the hot and bold take that no man has ever had before and say Here the we Jaguars go. should sign Trent Williams to be their left tackle. Do we have like a sound animation that can go with the hottest takes? <laughs> I, I wish I had like a, a little like firework or something. In the background. A little keyboard like, for it? Like, like the whistle. No. <laughs> no, I mean. That was pretty fiery. Yeah, right. I, I The reason I love free agency and the draft process is because I love I mean, one of my favorite things about football is literally just watching, you know, watching film, watching football. And I, and obviously during the season, I'm watching the Jaguars. I don't have a ton of time to, you know, watch Trent Williams and the San Francisco 49ers. So when I broke him down and wrote about him for Jaguar Report, that dude is still elite. I mean, he, he is still dominant. And I'm a big Orlando Brown fan, but I'm of the opinion that Trent Williams is by far the best left tackle available this offseason. And the recent trend of left tackles playing deep into their 30s has kind of made me kick around the idea of maybe his age isn't really a big deal. I, I think that's fair. Is it, isn't it is Russell Cone pro, like 38 right now and still playing really well? Uh, the- actually, Trent, Russell Kong, and Alejandro Grillovanaver are all 33, but Andrew Whitworth is definitely older than that, and he's still fantastic. Right. Well, 38 was way off, but – yeah, not that I disagree with any of those volcanic takes that you had, but I'm I think I'm more in the Orlando Brown Jr. camp because just to have the stability alongside. I mean, we've talked about how having a head coach and a quarterback kind of put together makes a lot of sense contract wise and length wise, but then being able to have a young offense ha- offensive tackle be there alongside the two of them, but especially the quarterback, obviously, yeah. I think would just be invaluable. So. In my opinion, I think giving up a draft slot that would in like number 25 overall that may or may not turn out to be the type of player that Orlando Brown Jr. is would be worth worthy com- worthy compensation for someone that's going to protect the blind side of a franchise quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. And uh, by the way, Andrew Whitworth is 39 years old and I mean, he's he, he, he's still a hell of a left tackle. So, I mean, there's there's kind of been a trend lately, and he's he's not the only one, but he's you know he's the best example. Uh, interior offensive line. Are there any interior offensive line free agents that you would pursue? I don't think so. Not in the current state. I mean, there's been there was rumors what last week about Andrew Nor- Norwell being released, which yeah. I would be surprised if that happens, considering the amount of cap space that the Jaguars have. I, I just needed to explain to me why they would do that. The only the only logic that works is that they are positive they could sign a guy like Brandon Sheriff or Joe Joe Thune. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's the only reason. Um, so I don't know. I think that interior offensive line and off ball linebacker are probably the two position groups that I would feel like if there's no changes made to them during the offseason, then I wouldn't have a problem with it. Which yeah. isn't to say that I can't be upgraded, obviously, but I think having can Norwell and Linder as your three interior guys with, and then if you bring back Shatley actually would be the one transaction I'd make because he's going to be a free agent. I think that's a pretty solid depth and starters. Yeah, Um, Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I I, I think it's enough for you to not have to, you know, sign a guy to a major deal or anything like that. Um, Here's my question. Release. Would you do this? Would you just keep it as is, you know, your three interior linemen now or, would you release Andrew Norwell, move Brandon Linder back to his rookie position of guard, and sign Corey Lindsley? Yes. 
I, 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 I was waiting for you to, to literally guess because I could see that you knew exactly where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I guess it, yeah, I'll do that because if you're going to sign Lindsley, obviously it's going to be expensive because he's maybe the best center in football and easily the best center available on the market. And so it would be expensive, but it also would be expensive to retain Norwell on his $15 million per dollar a year contract or whatever it is so yeah i think i'll do that i mean upgrade a player for a similar cost why not i i think i'd probably i'd, I'd probably do that too i mean lindsley's probably going to get one of the top deals of you know any center but i mean linder's deal is coming to a close eventually and you know aj can's deal is coming to a close so it's not like they can't spin on the offensive line right now um, right. All right, moving on, defensive line. Uh, in, let's go ahead and start with, like, the like interior defense line. Obviously, Leonard Williams is the big name, or is there anybody else? Um, Shelby Harris, I think, is one of my other sleepers slash guys, or whatever you want to call it, that I think another uh, guy I, who I think with more playing time could be really good and gone out of bargain. Yeah. No, I, I wrote about five under-the-radar guys, and – I'm upset because one of them got signed. So now I, I can't even like put it on social media anymore because I always had to add the caveat that Tywell Williams <laughs> already got signed. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Shelby Harris fan. Um, I know everybody wants Leonard Williams and clearly understand why, but I think Dalvin Tomlinson might be the best nose tackle in football. Wow. Dude, I, I, I was blown away by his – 2020 tape in terms of run defense. I, I don't see a weakness. I, I, I like him more than I like DJ Reader from a year ago because he gives you even more pass rush. Is he better than 2019 Al Woods, though? <laughs> He's better in 2020 Al Woods. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's the version they got last year. Okay, I mean, I'm honestly – I think I'm one of the guys that's – on the train of not signing Leonard Williams, because while I certainly agree with everyone that he's a great player, I don't know if his return on investment is going to be positive. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just the PFF discourse running through me right now and not believing in anything. That's not a passing game attack, but I think I mostly just think that $20 million per year, which is what over the cap says he's, or has it projected for him might not really be worth it for your highest played player to be a defensive tackle who will occasionally win pass rushing moves on his own. And so, I mean, a three tech is one of the biggest needs for the Jaguars and he would certainly fill that role. I just don't know if the contract that he's going to get is going to be worth it. And so I would much rather have someone like Harris or someone like Tomlinson or Sheldon Rankins would be kind of interesting from the Saints. He was really good two years ago and then injuries have kind of derailed him again so he's another injured guy I guess to keep a radar on along with Will Fuller and whoever else but yeah I guess I'm I'm not necessarily anti Leonard Williams but I'm much more pro Shelby Harris yeah no that's quite understandable I think when you watch Leonard Williams 2020 I came away more questioning questioning you know him as like I still think he's a top interior defensive lineman but I'm not sure he's as good of a free agent as Malik Jackson was a few years ago, you know, but the big question of Malik Jackson was his sack production. And that was a question of Williams until this year. He, you know, put up 11 and a half sacks or however many sacks he had, but 
a lot of those sacks were kind of scheme sacks, you know, sacks where, you know, he was coming wide open at the quarterback because, I mean, the Giants, they, they have one of the most diverse defensive schemes in the NFL. With that said, I do think that the Jaguars and Joe Cullen, if they run a scheme similar to Baltimore, which I really think they're going to just based off Cullen's comments, I think that kind of scheme would fit Williams a good bit. That's fair. Yeah, I think versatility is going to be kind of a key word throughout the whole offseason, both on the defensive line, but also behind them in the, the secondary and with the linebacker core. So he definitely fits that bill. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I, I feel like, you know, it's people are going to say we have, you know, Devon Hamilton and Doug Costin. We, you know, you know, we have whoever on the roster, et cetera, et cetera. You know, for all the people that, you know, the fans are going to say that the, the Jaguars have, they still need, you know, major, major work in the trenches, you know. Like, yeah, they have some promising young guys, but especially this defensive scheme, you, you need a rotation of guys that you can just throw at the opposing offensive line. Yeah, and that's going to help Miles Jack and Joe Sherbert too, I guess, so much as well. I have, like, this one play stuck in my mind of Taven Bryan just completely ignoring his assignment and Miles Jack having to kind of do cleanup <laughs> duty after. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be – Hopefully all over the place for sure. I don't know which one you're talking about. <laughs> all right. Next one, edge defender. I'm got I think Ryan Kerrigan be a sneaky, decent signing. Yeah, I he was he's one of the two guys I was gonna mention. I feel like he's just a nice. cheaper JJ Watt. Like like uh, obviously, you know, he's not the stud pass rusher he was at the prime of his career, but I feel like if you're signing a veteran at this point, you know, you're just kind of looking for you know, some solid production, not spectacular. And I feel like he would provide that. I feel like he'd be a solid scheme fit. And I, I just, there's no way he takes a giant contract compared to some of these other edge guys that are on the market. Yeah. I, I mean, speaking of other guys on the market, Clown, uh, on Clowney is the other guy I was going to mention. Cause I think eventually someone's going to sign him and play him almost exclusively inside obviously not nose tackle or anything but I th- he's much better at rushing the quarterback from the interior than the outside um and he's one of the best run defenders in the game from the edge position and so I think if the team kind of plugs him at like the big end position that Calais used to play or five tech and stuff like that then he could be really good and hopefully the Jaguars could be that team yeah no I, I mean that's fair what would you say to He's coming off an ACL injury, and I'm honest, I don't even know what his timeline is. Bud Dupree. Um, I'm not against it, honestly. I think people are a little bit wary for good reason, just because of the inflated ta- sack totals and whatnot, just because he plays on a really talented St- Steelers defense that includes TJ Watt on the other side of the line for him. So he's one of the guys in the league that kind of benefit from the talent around him and isn't really as – elite I guess one-on-one as yeah. some of the other players on the market yeah. but I at the same time I certainly think that he's talented enough he had he was he just manhandled Cam Robinson in the Pittsburgh game last mm-hmm. year uh, I mean you're probably going to get him out of discount because of his injury yeah so but with that with that said do you want to bank on a guy you know next year at that position with uh coming off that kind of injury so yeah I mean it interesting to I, I think edge is one of those like sneaky positions. That I know a lot of people think, okay, you know, they have Chase on and Allen, they're not going to spend there. But I mean, I'd be kind of surprised if they didn't go after Matt Judon hard. Uh, I, Judon's a weird one for me because 
I think it's pretty well known now that, you know, he's going to get, whenever he does get paid, he's going to get paid like a top edge rusher, basically. And he's not a top pass rusher, but he's a top, like all around balance, like edge defender. Does that make sense? Like a guy who Definitely. can, you know, play to run. Uh, he he can still pass rush. It's not like he's terrible at it, obviously. And uh, he can drop in coverage. He can do stunts. So if if they want to get somebody who's like a veteran voice who can kind of fill multiple gaps, I I I don't like I I kind of doubt that he would put up the production to match that money. But maybe you could get value from one his kind of leadership and knowledge of the scheme and two from his versatility. Uh, I'm not sure I'd pursue him, but I feel like they're going to. Yeah, I think I agree that he's probably going to cost a little bit too much money, but the Ravens defense has a few edge players or just defenders that the Jaguars could certainly go after. I mean, uh, obviously you mentioned Judon. They also have Pernell McPhee, who's, who plays the edge. Uh, Tyus Bowser is my sleeper for this category, yeah. partly because he objectively has one of the best names in football. But he's also turned into a pretty solid rotational player for the Ravens in the past few years. Um, going back to Dupree, honestly, I think Leonard. I'd rather have Leonard Floyd than Dupree, only because Floyd is kind of the same thing where he played next to Aaron Donald, so people are going to be like, "Oh, he probably didn't do much," but he was generally one of the best pass rushers last season. And so I'd rather take a shot on someone like that who also doesn't have an ACL injury than someone Dang. similar like Judon. That 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 is where we come to our impasse, my friend, because I, I would 100% sign Dupree over Leonard Floyd, even even with the ACL injury. I just, like, I feel like Floyd had a really good season last year, but you see Dante Fowler have a really good season and then become a bottom 10 starting defensive end in the <laughs> next year after not, no longer playing next to Aaron Donald. So I, I'm inclined to believe it's probably not all Leonard Floyd. Okay. I think somewhere in between maybe, because I feel pretty confident – that is not flower, but we'll see. I'm I'm still on the same boat, but I agree. Uh, you you guys heard it here first. Gus is positive. Leonard Floyd has not flowered. You know, we'll, we'll go ahead and go ahead and and, and uh, keep that one for receipts purposes. All right, Gus. Uh, moving moving along to the cornerback position. Uh, I think if they were to sign. Like if I had to pick any cornerback like in this like group of guys for them to sign, I was saying William Jackson for the longest time. I'm gonna say Mike Hilton from Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know he's he's a slot guy only. Uh, he's not in the outside, but I I think he's just the kind of guy that in their scheme. I mean he's a dominant blitzer. He's dominant against the run. He's really solid in coverage. I feel like in their kind of scheme that he would just be able to be like unleashed. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think Brian Poole is the best slot corner, in my opinion, that's available on the market. Yeah, but he one. also, just because he's so consistent and reliable, which is does not always happen with slot cornerbacks or just cornerbacks in general. But I do agree that Mike Hilton would be a better scheme fit. And so I like to see that too. And then I'm on, I'm on the same boat, actually, where I was a big William Jackson guy, and I still kind of am. But now the guy I'm turning my attention to is Shaquille Griffin from the Seahawks just because I think he would be a lot of fun in the scheme because he's like a, a press man corner, but he's really physical. And so I think that would go along with CJ Henderson, who's not necessarily not physical, but he is, does have a slimmer frame. And so I think if you kind of have Shaquille Griffin available to be able to go up against whatever bigger receivers you're going to go against, that could be pretty invaluable. And so if he's 
available for less money than Jackson or maybe some yeah. of the other top corners, then Shaquille Griffin is the guy that I would take a long look at at cornerback. Yeah, uh, that, that's fair. I mean, Griffin's definitely a high upside guy. I mean, he, he's probably going to – I'd imagine he's going to get the second biggest cornerback contract. I mean, and maybe compete with uh, William Jackson for the biggest. Um, all right, m- move along to safety. Justin Simmons is obviously no longer an option. Who are some guys at safety that you like, Gus? Um, I like them all. It's similar to wide receiver where it's <laughs> there's like four or five really good players, and I'm just so scared or just preparing myself, I guess, for when they all go back to their original teams. Um, I think Marcus May is probably my guy, if you had to say a guy. I think Simmons is the best, but he's already been yeah, reported so to have been yeah, franchise so tagged. And then I think May is the next best. And then followed by May, I would say Anthony Harris, then Marcus Williams, then John Johnson the third. But those top five safeties are all very good. And yeah. I think the Jaguars should get one of them. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I actually wrote I, – I, these are all guys I included when I wrote about the five best safety fits. And it, it, it's funny because, oh, wow, the, the five fits are the five best safeties. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's the truth. And uh, I, I'm with you right there. I had Marcus May at the top of my list. Uh, Marcus May was actually at Florida while uh, Drew Hughes, who is now in – Jacksonville's front office was uh, a big guy at Florida. So, you know, they have that connection. And I, I just feel like, you know, um, Marcus Williams has more range. He's younger, more athleticism. But Marcus May is a more all-around player. You know, I like I like, I like, love Marcus Williams as a player and what he does in pass uh, coverage. But I think he has one tackle for loss in his career. Whereas, you know, whereas uh, May, you know, he's a terror in the box. He can cover downfield. He can cover in the slot. He, he kind of gives you the entire package of the position. Right. Yeah, I think my uh, one guy that's we haven't mentioned is Keanu Neal from the Falcons who just got released. He'd yeah. probably be the next guy on my list to take a look at as like kind of a traditional box safety um, to, <laughs> to play the Jamal Adams role. Uh, if you even want to call it that. What, didn't you call him a D lineman about a couple, a couple weeks ago? Uh all I have to say is the NFC West has my favorite pass rushers in the NFL. Okay. That's that's a little kinder than I remembered it. But, yeah, the thing about John Johnson, too, also, is that he's going to be one of those guys that's – I feel like a couple of guys from the Rams defense is like, well, is it the Rams defense that makes them so good, or do they actually have talented players? That's a fair Last year, uh, Nickel Robbie, or that slot cornerback, left the Rams and then it was terrible for the Eagles last year. That's a good point. so – Hopefully the same thing will happen to John Johnson, but I forget where I saw this, but if John Johnson follows Stanley to Los Angeles and then plays next to Derwin James, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. As much as it'd be cool to see him play in Jacksonville. Absolutely. Um, Here's one guy uh, I I didn't think I'd mention with uh, the slot quarter conversation. What about, and you know, this might, you honestly might give me the same answer here because I'm literally asking it because you mentioned the Rams. So it might be the same response, but what about Troy Hill for a slot corner? I think it's the same response. I'll be for more responsible or not more responsible, more comfortable with Hill. <laughs> I'll take c- c- complete responsibility over Troy Hill signing. No, I'll feel a lot more comfortable because he has experience playing on the outside and he's yeah. a veteran player. I think he's about 29 years old. And so one thing about him, the 
the opposite of Shaquille. He's a smaller guy. And so that's one reason that Jalen helps that defense so much is that then Troy Hill is able to not have to worry about like taking on monster receivers. Yeah. Um, but overall, I would say, I mean, like you said, it's kind of the same thing about leaving the Rams defense, but I would, I would feel comfortable signing him. Yeah, no, no, that, that makes sense. And I think his inside-out versatility is a big reason why they should at least, you know, consider it because, I mean, he got moved to the slot. I think it was just last season. And, I mean, it was one of his better seasons. So, I, I, I'm with you there. With that said, Gus, we went over a bunch of free agents we think the Jaguars should consider. Do you have any guys you think they should completely and, like, just wholeheartedly avoid because even though they have a ton of cap space, you still have to spend wisely, you know, you don't want to sign a Zane Beatles or Julius Thomas. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. I don't really have any like specific players. I think like there's a few players like Leonard Williams. I went, I mentioned Kenny Galladay is a guy who I think could be is while they are very good at football could also be overpaid. I think Galladay is one of the most, or more underrated receivers in the league, honestly. And so if the Jaguars are going to sign a top receiver, I'd much rather it be Godwin or Robinson. Um, and then don't spend, don't, <laughs> don't pay Aaron Jones, please. Cause that would just be ludicrous, even though that's definitely not going to happen. I think it's obvious that they shouldn't spend money at running back, but I don't know, just running back in general. And then the, a list of a few guys that I think could get overpaid. But what about you? Do you have any like specific names? Because I don't really yeah. have any. Honestly, I don't have I, takes on enough for that. I have I have three main ones. Um, Alejandro Villanueva from the Steelers. I this is unfair of me, and I want you to tell me it's unfair. Honestly, like convince me that like this is an unfair point of view. But Carl Lawson abusing him on Monday Night Football has just made me look at him completely differently as a player. Carl Lawson's good, though. We've already talked about this, so yes, you are wrong. He gave up eight pressures. (laughs) Well, it was Big Ben's fault. Just always blame Big Ben. And and then I also kind of feel like maybe, like, Steelers offensive linemen are kind of like that Rams thing where, like, do they ever look as good, like, outside of Pittsburgh? The thing is their offensive line coach left a year or two ago, Mike Munchak. Is that his, his last name? Yeah. We're so bad last names on the show, but um, I don't think I, w- I wouldn't put them on my avoid list only because I think one of the possible solutions that left tackle for the Jaguars is signing a veteran, like hopefully Trent Williams, but also like this guy and then having like a third or fourth round pick being devoted to a developmental tackle. And so I think there's worse options or there's worse p- potential signings. And I think Carl Lawson's, I hope he gets paid really well and goes to a good team that can use him well because I think he's an ascending guy who could be like a top 10 edge rusher for however much longer. That's that's fair. Um, speaking of edge rushers, you know, that's that was actually my next name. I think the probably a top guy to Jack which should stay away from is Trey Hendrickson. I, I just I, – I can't think of a worse fit for them in terms of you know, an edge rusher, a guy who's more of a 4-3 end who can't really play to run, so he's already kind of limited. Uh, then you're limiting him in terms of the scheme, and then are you playing him on the edge over Josh Allen or Caleb on Chason next year? I mean, I, I, I feel like he was more of a product of uh, the Saints than anything else. I mean, Caleb on maybe. 
just because I, I think Caleb Vaughn getting an edge player to split hey, snaps let, with Caleb Let the NFL and unblock sacks. I don't know. I mean, I I certainly think it's a he's a buyer beware type player, but I also think he's good enough that he won't be a complete bust for his signing. So basically, I have no stance that I can come out correct either way. <laughs> no, that, that's going to be our limitless test. If 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 he's a solid, <laughs> if he's solid with his next team, I'm gonna give that to you. If he's not, then I'm going to remind you on the every episode for the entirety of this podcasting series. Well, I'm just excited for when he turns into a double-digit sack season next year for the Jaguars. I'm sure he's gonna be Harry Long. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I guess. T.Y. Hilton, uh, it's a deep receiver group, but I don't think T.Y. Hilton makes a lot of sense to the Jaguars. Just, I mean, there's so many other more explosive options out there right now. Guys who aren't on, you know, kind of the downside of their career. Guys who haven't had the injury issues. I think you're just better off with a Curtis Samuel or a Will Fuller or somebody, just a younger option than uh, T.Y. Hilton. You know, T.Y. a few years ago was easily one of the top receivers in the league, but I mean, so was AJ Green, and you know, the, like those things, they just change over time, and it's just not the truth anymore. So I, I, I think. All right, here's my hot take of the show. You, you ready? I'm ready. I'm sorry. I wouldn't. Down. Give, I wouldn't give Ty Hilton snaps over Colin Johnson in the year 2021. I think that's very fair. Okay, do you say that though, partly as like development reasons because you want to see Johnson get more snaps, or are you saying that Colin Johnson right now is a better player than Ty Hilton? Yes. <laughs> a little bit of both. The latter. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Okay. I'm saying in 2021, I think he'll be a better player. Not not like rookie year last not year. Not 2020. Okay. Yeah, yeah give, that's give, fair. Give, give him an offseason. Okay. I don't hate that. We'll see what happens. That'll be another yeah. wait to see brew, I guess. But no, nah, man, overall, I'm definitely in the same boat as you. I think if you're going to get a, like a, a stretch, um, a field stretcher, basically, where someone to take the top off the of defense with their speed, then first of all, you sign Djax over T.Y. Hilton only because Deshaun is cooler, so therefore he's better. And then also, I mean, they're both just washed old fast guys, so <laughs> you might, might as well go with the one that has a career punt return touchdown. But then more more seriously, I think Brashad Perriman would make more sense as just like a cheap veteran signing really? to play that role. My other guy was going to be Tyrell Williams, but he he already signed with the Lions. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that that kind of is a perfect segue into my next question about free agency. I I think you know I'm going to write about this eventually, but I, I think one of the best debates is you know building through free agency or the draft. Are you of the opinion that the like I saw somebody put out a tweet the other day that you know it made it got me thinking. They were like. Uh, spoiler, the Jaguars are going to sign more free agents than you think they are and make less draft picks than you think they are. Should they go heavy in free agency and make moves, you know, kind of move around the draft with their picks to kind of get more impact guys? Um, Not that they shouldn't do that, but in terms of like the overall question of whether they should spend more in free agency and give away draft picks or vice versa, I would say vice versa, only because I think draft picks can end up being such stolen goods sometimes like if you end up getting a productive rookie player on a cheap deal especially when your quarterback is also on a cheap deal then that will just be huge for then being able to spend later on veterans that you know will be good and you can pay up for want to make your own podcast spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily then lets you distribute it everywhere and anywhere 
and even earn money right from it. And it's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here is how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, no matter where you're at, you can start creating today. It makes perfect sense. I, it, it, it makes, I, I think, a lot of sense. Like, in a, you know, a lot of ways, the Jaguars are at a weird point where it feels like they want to win now, but it'd be a lot easier for them to kind of take their lumps for another year. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you know the old saying, Jacksonville wasn't built in a day, so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Jacksonville wasn't built in a day. <laughs> Jim Rome is burning, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I mean – I, I probably agree with you, honestly, just because, I mean, the value of draft picks is so high. I, I think the value of having established veterans is just as high. It's just, I don't want to say tougher to project them because you're projecting guys who, you know, you already know what they can do in the NFL, but you have to project, you know, their fit in your scheme, in your franchise, in the locker room, all that kind of thing. And you don't want to pay the wrong guy. You know, it's different when you pick the wrong guy in the fourth or the fifth round, but when you pay the wrong guy, uh, that resonates in the locker room. I, that, that's something I truly do uh, genuinely believe. Are you talking about anyone specifically? That seemed like another Nick Foles segment. No. But... <laughs> no, 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 no. Not that he was bad for the locker room, but he was paid for the locker room. I mean, I mean, if, if I mean, if if I had to think about honestly, somebody it probably would have been Bortles, not even Foles. True. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's probably yeah. a better comparison, but. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, and you know that paid Foles more to you know. Get him that respect. Hey, it was needed, right? Got yeah. the job done in the first quarter of the first game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I I feel like personally, Gus, that we're going to see them make, like, I, I know, not that bold of a take, but that we're going to see them be uber aggressive in free agency just because of, I think Meyer is going to want to like build this team up as quickly as possible. And that's not to say, I think he's going to try to band-aids. Like I think they're going to be within reason, but I think, I think they're going to be the team this off season. That's not afraid to make the big moves that make Twitter melt down for like an hour. I think that NFL teams are built through depth a lot more than people kind of realize. And so, I mean, the Rams are kind of the antithesis of that when they're kind of building through the stars, but, but they also have a very talented roster behind them. And so I think it'll be interesting to see the approaches this offseason because I agree that Urban's going to be kind of uber aggressive or whatnot, but how they spend that versus if it's like three to four big signings or maybe one or two signings and some added death pieces as well, kind of what the approach is with, with that is going to be interesting for me to see, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, def- I, I definitely agree with you. And I, I, just seeing which positions they prioritize, I think is going to tell us a lot about kind of how they view things. And um, uh, moving on, uh, I know one segment I really wanted to talk about was uh, my favorite draft resource this offseason. And I know I've mentioned it before on Twitter. I'm going to keep mentioning it. Benjamin Robinson on Twitter has a site called Grinding the Mocks that I am glad he's because I've, I've always, you know, had the thought of, I wonder which players are like most commonly being mocked for this team, but. I, of course, would never want to pour through all that data. Thankfully, you know, Ben Robinson uh, is somebody who does pour through that data, grinding the mocks. It has, you know, fantastic stuff that gives you, like, expected draft position, uh, you know, guys most frequently being mocked to teams, uh, you know, 
and like it literally gives you an idea for draft stocks. You know, you can see it fluctuate, you know, through months and stuff. And I went on there and uh, he had added a new tool where you can look for this year, which which players are being mocked to teams most frequently. And it had the five top ones for each team. And I'm going to read you off the list of the Jaguars ones. I want you to give me your thoughts. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, First, shockingly, Trevor Lawrence. Overrated draft Kyle Trask over him. <laughs> this is not a Florida podcast. I, I, I literally thought you were about to say Zach Wilson. <laughs> I already threw in the Zach Wilson bid earlier, so that, the other players shine. That, that, that's a good point. I mean, hey, when, when, you, when you can hype up the fourth most athletically talented guy in a class and compare him to three Hall of Famers that want, you got to do it. Absolutely, every time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second one. Alabama defensive tackle Christian Barmore. Okay, I'm gonna respond to your question with a question. What are your thoughts? Because I haven't. Um, okay, well, first of all, Barmore is a beast, and I think that that would be a really good draft selection. Would be taking him at 25 overall, and it would be a value and a whole field. Um, but what are your thoughts on Justice having Nixon from Iowa as his top prospect for defensive tackles? Just because I know that you're a big Barmore. DT one, no matter what guy. Um, I really like Nixon, and I think it's probably more like preference. Uh, just as one of my, you know, uh, uh, closest friends on, uh, you know, that I've met through Twitter. I, I love Justice, and I, I sincerely trust him, and generally, you know, trust his eyes with defensive line. So I'm a big fan of Nixon. Uh, I mean, Barmore is, you know, somebody who's still high on, and I mean, the difference between I think Barmore and Nixon is. Nixon's athleticism uh, is, you know, like shines through probably more consistently just because Barmore was more of a, you know, inconsistent player who didn't really turn it on until like a couple stretch of games. But I, I think Barmore could be a more complete player in terms of beating both the run and the pass. But I don't I think Nixon's a player who deserves to go top 30, top 35. Right. And the thing about Barmore is he was a little consistent, but he really ramped it up for a stretch of games, like you said. But the biggest stretch of games he ramped it up, ramped it up for was the semifinal and the final for the college football. And he was just a monster in both of those games. So he probably made himself a little bit of money with those two performances. Yeah. I mean, he, and, and he did it against good offensive lines too. hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. Uh, third one, Texas left tackle, Samuel Cosme. Uh, um, go, 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 go ahead. I, I, I don't have any takes. So you go ahead. I, I, I literally was about to be, I don't think you have enough, <laughs> any take on him at all. All right. I wrote about Cosby some, uh, I, I believe it was actually, you know, Saturday. Super experienced guy, has over 30 starts in his career, 13 at right tackle, you know, 20-some, I think it was 21 at left tackle. You know, he's been voted to two All-Big 12 teams. He had So the production and the experience are there. I think he has a lot of athleticism. You know, he's six foot seven, 310 pounds, but he's a very easy mover in space. Kind of reminds me of Jason Spriggs from Indiana a few years ago, just in the way that he can get into space and kind of get on top of, you know, uh, defenders at the second and third levels. With that said, I, you know, for as much positives as he had in terms of, you know, his ability to anchor and hand fight, he, he just has some weird footwork footwork sorry <laughs> inconsistencies where his pass sets just you know it just looks like he's like opening his hips and he's like getting ready to defend his outside shoulder immediately and I just 
I feel like with what George Warhop asked his offensive tackles to do, that you might be putting him in a situation that he could thrive in. Okay. Yeah. The vertical sets aren't going to be very kind to him. Yeah. And like, and it's not because he didn't show he couldn't vertically set in college. Cause I mean, he, he did it, you know, at times it's just, he much more, it was kind of a like turn and backpedal type thing. So I just, I, I think that'd be a big transition for him. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a underrated part of, the current Jags offensive line is just that under Warhop, they do the vertical sets where they kind of go straight backward. And that's a lot harder, harder than doing how you just kind of describe where it's more of a 90 degrees and then go back. And so that certainly could be one of the issues with Cam and Jawan. And now that Warhop is being retained for his second season in a row, maybe they'll both uh, show improvements, assuming they're both the starters moving forward. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and then uh, number four, another offensive lineman. Uh, it was actually interesting, uh, Gus, on uh, grinding the mocks. Offensive tackle is the second most commonly mocked position to the Jaguars. Uh, Barmore is the second, you know, individual player, but they had offensive tackles going there more likely at number 25. Uh, number four was Michigan right tackle Jalen Mayfield. I, I'm, I'll have an article on him up on the site uh, to on you know Monday, so probably as you guys are listening to this, I'll explain in there my reasons uh, why I don't think he'd be a good fit. But for the first round of prospects I've seen so far, and this does not have that like much to do with like this isn't me saying I don't think he's going to be a good NFL player because I actually do like him as a prospect. I just cannot think of a worse feasible fit for the Jaguars uh, and what they need than Jalen Mayfield. I mean, he he he's a college right tackle who some of the best offensive line and scouting minds are projecting inside. So that just doesn't make sense for a team who needs a left tackle. All right. So ignore the website that you just hyped up. Got it. No, you said don't. ignore it. it, it it's still <laughs> need to ignore mock drafters. It, it, it didn't mock him to him. All right. Now, I, I, yeah, um, <laughs> no, go to the website. Cause it is actually awesome. But yeah, like I said earlier, I feel like this would be the range where Jacksonville would dress a developmental left tackle if they did yeah. end up even if they re-signed or tagged cam robinson just addressing the position unless the left tackle ends up being trent williams or orlando brown jr adding another yeah. guy especially since will richardson doesn't seem like he's going to be the swing tackle that they may want for long time future makes a lot yeah. of sense so no it does and and for the record i probably i would probably take Cosme at 33 I know you're saying people listen to this probably saying and thinking, what's the difference between 25 and 33? Uh, I mean, to me, if you can get a guy at 33, why are you reaching for him at 25? You know, like you, like if if it's him or a guy, you know, like a playmaking secondary player or a uh, offensive tackle who's not really a first round player, then I'm going to go with the higher graded player even though the need at left tackle is greater, if that makes sense. But, I mean, he has – Cosme has the athleticism that I'd probably roll the dice on him at 33. But if you're taking him at 25 and you're just putting those expectations on him, I think, you know, it might be kind of – like, I, I could see him very well having, like, a Cam Robinson-type, like, tenure as, like, a second-round pick. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, okay. speaking of the playmaking secondary guys, who's last guy on the list? Yes, sir. Uh, TCU safety Trayvon Morig. Right now, he's right up there with um, Barmore for me as guys who like would be like the Jaguars' best best possible case scenario 
would be one of those two guys falling to them. I mean, I, I, I would take Morrig over Cosme at 25, even if they don't sign a, a left tackle in free agency. That's I, I, I love his game. I mean, he, he reminds me a, like, you know, it's a lofty comparison. I know it, but reminds me of a lot of Justin Simmons, just in the way that, like, he's a torpedo on the field. You know, I mean, he flies to the ball. I mean, you're not going to see a safety disrupt more screens than him. And then, you know, his natural range and coverage and his anticipation is top notch. So he's a guy who I'm a big, big fan of. Yeah. I think Mo Rig honestly might be by preference over Bearmore at 25. I mean, definitely in agreement that those would be the top two of the five that you listed. But I think the, we keep talking about like how the Jags might be like the Ravens defense from years past. But one thing about the Ravens defense is that they have one of, if, I mean, easily a top three secondary in the league. And so having that much talent is kind of a big part in being able to send so many blitzes like Wink uh, Martindale like to do. And so I think getting just fast players who can are versatile, like we said, and can kind of yeah. get a bunch of different roles in the secondary is would, would be huge. And so I think Mo Rig fits that part and would be a good pick there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, looking at guys in the secondary, um, you know, like like under you know like Todd Wash, you know, defenses, you saw a guy get moved all over the defense. You, it, a guy who could like help in all those different areas. You didn't think of him as a fit for the Jaguars. You know, it, you you had to be looking for outside cornerbacks. You had to be looking for slot cornerbacks. You know what I mean? Right, definitely. So whereas now it's like completely different. It'll be a refreshing view for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, the next thing I want to talk about was Urban Meyer, uh, you know, had a, you know, he's been doing the rounds media, media wise lately, you know, uh, he hasn't uh, held his press conference for what would have, I guess, substituted the combine yet, but I'd expect that sooner than later, but he did uh, do two appearances recently. One on Jaguars.com with the wonderful John Osner. He did a Q&A where he had some very revealing stuff. And he also went on the Buddy Martin Show podcast uh, earlier this week where, you know, he talked about a lot of things. Like, go go to the site. Uh, Cassie Hill caught you up on the biggest highlights. He talked about Alex Smith. He talked about Tim Tebow. He talked about London. Um, but the two things I want to talk – well, the three things I want to talk about that he mentioned, Gus, is – First of all, he mentioned like basically the future of the sports performance, uh, you know, department. Uh, he, he mentioned, you know, the Chris Doyle's resignation. And, you know, since our last podcast, you know, obviously Chris Doyle ended up resigning, you know, shortly after, you know, he even took the role. And, you know, the Jaguars basically were able, you know, to kind of get out of that fire because, you know, it's about a month later and you still hear about it. And I think you're going to continue basically to hear about it whenever Urban makes moves. But I also think the basically the 24-7 news cycle of the NFL is kind of drowned it out. But I thought it was interesting that he said that he was going to continue kind of look like looking for in uh, kind of an option to fill that director of sports performance role. And he had said that, like, their sports performance plan was the hardest he's ever worked on something, which kind of blew me away. You know, he could just be shining himself on and hyping it up. But, I mean, if that's – you know, that's how important he sees it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. He said it to multiple times to multiple sources. Uh, one of the direct quotes from the Jaguars.com interview was um, saying, we 
in terms of like recruiting free agents when he's talking to players like that saying obviously money plays a huge role but if those start to get close saying we want to go to Jacksonville because it's a great place to raise a family to live great weather great tax situation and oh by the way we have the best facility and best support staff and best sports performance team in the NFL that's the vision that's the dream I have and so I think that stood out part just because as you said he's been kind of hammering the importance of that kind of unit so often but in the past it's been more so about the guys that are there and getting the best out of kind of who he recruits to be there and who's already there yeah getting the the most out of them obviously but then also being able to use it as a recruiting tool is kind of the other end of that stick and just using it as a way to get more players to Jacksonville and so that kind of goes with what we're we were saying earlier about him being probably going to be aggressive this off season. I mean, if, if it seems like a college, like, like a college tactic, I mean, it is, but I mean, <laughs> Myers, one of the best recruiters, like, like, like best recruiters in sports history. You know, I'm not talking, like, talking just like college football, like that dude on the trail is amazing. And uh, free agency is a lot like recruiting, you know, it, it like, it really is, you know, like you're not having to sell these guys like parents or anything on something, but you're going to have to, you know, sell them on your team as a designation and, Obviously, money plays the biggest role, but it doesn't always play, you know, the only role. So I, I, I think that's definitely, uh, you know, an interesting point of view. And it's I, I'm honestly fascinated to see kind of where he goes with this whole sports performance model, because, I mean, injuries have probably been the biggest thing getting in the Jaguars way other than bad quarterback play um, in these last three losing seasons. So if he can find a way to kind of tap into what that problem is. I think it could have an impact beyond the Jaguars. I think maybe, you know, it like if, if he can find a way to turn around their injury woes, I think that's something you can see maybe replicated throughout the league. Definitely. I think that like injuries, not injuries overall, but maybe minor injuries are a little bit downplayed in, in like NFL media, just because I've used this example before, but like Miles Jack was an all pro in the first yeah. month of play. And then he had an ankle injury against the Bengals, I believe. And then he still played the rest of the season and he played very well, but there was a little bit of a drop off in play. And so I think there's plenty of examples like that where you'll see a player show up on the injury report, but then once he plays that game and then next few games, you kind of just assume that since he's an NFL athlete, he was, he's fine. But I think those types of injuries have way bigger impacts than just general fans and media may, may believe. And so I think it certainly could be a big impact for, a great sports performance program. And another thing I'm looking forward to seeing is kind of what the actual moves are going to be because he mentioned in one of his first interviews with the Jaguars about mm-hmm. like creating um, like a new building kind of for sports medicine, sports performance. And so it'll be, it'll be neat to see the directions yeah. he actually takes. And I mean, he, he mentioned, you know, the facility in that interview on Jaguars.com. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the way he's talking about it is, you know, it's nothing that's in the ground yet, but it's something that they've already planned on doing. So I'm, 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 I'm really interested to see how, how they come out with that because, I mean, th- those are just like p- players notice when you make those kind of commitments to their franchise because it's seen as a commitment to winning and a franchise that's actually, you know, trying, you know what I mean? And right. like, it doesn't guarantee you're going to win at all, but it at least shows that, you know, you're putting your money where your mouth is. Absolutely. So one of the many things to look forward to this season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last thing, Gus, I thought that was really interesting from Urban was when he talked about um, Trevor Lawrence's pro day. 
he was right up in Trevor's grill basically during his pro day. I, I know some people say, you know, they've seen it before. Uh, I've only been following the draft since 2013, but I've never seen like a, a coach like that close to, you know, like basically a, a, like just a quarterback, like considering the fact that every other NFL personnel other than, you know, Daryl Bevel was, completely like on the other side of the field or whatever and you know he he explained it that you know he wanted to kind of be up there in person for two reasons he wanted to see for himself you know in person you know how it looks and how it sounds you know the ball coming out of his hand you know the velocity you know all, all those kind of things which you know most football coaches would want but he also wanted to put some pressure on Lawrence you know he also wanted to you know hey I want you to know that I'm back here and let's see how you do knowing that I'm watching you this entire time uh what were your thoughts on that yeah, he said he does the same thing with kickers where he just kind of stands right <laughs> behind them. He says, I want him to know that we're right there <laughs> just to kind of put some pressure on him, which, I mean, is a good thing for sure. Yeah, and then the other thing he said was that he's seen Trevor plenty through, like, his job at Fox Sports and then, like, live a few times, I'm sure, including at the Fiesta Bowl. Um, but then he also wanted to make sure that Sean Heimer and Bevel got to see him. And as he said, Bevel was kind of one of the guys that was right there alongside him. But I don't know. He seemed kind of blown away by blown away by Trevor. Not necessarily. I mean, partly by his actual actions at the pro day and the throws that he made. But yeah. just his confidence also seemed like the biggest trigger for Urban in terms of what got him exciting about or what got him excited. Yeah, and, and like the fact that he went out there to begin with, you know, because yeah, I mean, he I I mean he very easily could have been like. I'm pretty sure you guys are going to draft me anyway. So let's go ahead and not do this. Yeah, 100%. So I think that was one of the other things he was kind of looking for. And they had kind of talks before that, Urban and Trevor, about whether it was going to happen. But obviously it was successful on all levels. So Hey, um, if, if if Urban Meyer is not five yards away from Zach Wilson at his pro day, then I want every single person who's been tweeting that take to, to own up to it. People are saying that he will be five yards away. No, I'm saying if he's be. not, then I, no, I mean, people are saying, like, hey, could the Jaguars take Zach Wilson number one overall? Uh, yeah, true. Well, I mean, 53 it, more days, John. It's hilarious that we also pivoted so quickly from will Urban take Justin Fields to will Urban take Zach Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. we even saw some Urban's going to take Trey Lance because they with him more <laughs> like <laughs> i'm telling you kyle trask is up next i'm trying to get ahead of everyone else in about two weeks it's going to be kyle trask number one oh, dan mullen is giving urban meyer his opinion on him it's that's going to be the whole thing is the florida connection and then it's going to run dry after about three days there's a better chance of you starting at quarterback for the gators <laughs> hey i'll take that <laughs> yeah yeah <all> right. <laughs> i know we're team emory <laughs> over here Felipe thankless over here. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, we, we, we basically hit, uh, you know, every note that I wanted to tonight. Uh, obviously, next time we come back, uh, you know, we'll probably be wrapping up free agency, but we're going to have even more prospects to talk about. Uh, Gus, do you have anything for us before we go? Any, any more hot takes? You, you've already had – you've had quite a few, man. You've been, at, you've been at the hot take level a little bit. Maybe it's time to, you know, put it Pull down. it down a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I don't think so. I think I think Rashad Bateman might be my guy for the receivers. I think he's going to end up being the guy I want the Jaguars to pull the trigger on. Okay, okay, I can see that. Add 25? So, 
Uh, no, at like 45. Bateman's, I feel like, is going to go top. Uh, actually, maybe he will go 45 because there's always a really good receiver who goes like in that range. Yeah, and there's all those like the Rondale Moore and the Elijah Moore and just that whole tier. You never really know. Yeah, good point. All right, well, yeah, I, I mean, I could see that. I, I, I like Bateman a lot. I, Nate Tice, who's one of my favorite followers on Twitter, actually compared him to Allen Robinson. So that, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I think uh, Mike Remmers from PFF compared to him to Keenan Allen. But yeah, the point is he's really good at uh, route running. And my two of my strongest takes are one, that receivers are undervalued, and two, that route running receivers are the type of receiver that I would want. And so Rashad kind of fits that bill. So just be on the lookout, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you guys can go ahead and follow us at Jabber Report and at underscore John underscore Shipley. Uh, Gus, go ahead and give him your at. And then thank you guys again for being with us as always. At Gus underscore Logue. Thank you guys again. We will bring the hot takes once again to you very soon.